This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to Be Nation pop experience. It's Greg Dieter and Chico Alexander back with you. It is episode four of Into the Spidey Movieverse, and now we're on to our second part of the Spider-Man movie franchise, and now we are covering the two amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield, starting with The Amazing Spider-Man from 2012. Oh, Chico, 2012, what a time to be alive, huh? Yep. It was good times in 2012, uh, unless you were a fan of CSI Miami, which started to go downhill, but that's neither here nor there. But perhaps the most amazing thing to happen to Spidey is this movie, because, and I posited this to Greg in our pre-show meeting here, but what happens... When Spidey stops being polite and starts getting real. Starts being real. And by real, I mean shooting bad guys in the nuts with webs. That happens in this movie. It does. And it's hilarious. And so does uh, Peter Parker intentionally starting crap. Oh, yes. He's causing all sorts of messes in this movie. All sorts of messes. Happy 50th anniversary, Spidey! Oh yeah, this was the 50th anniversary of Spider-Man in 2012. Yeah, and uh, Marvel and Sony celebrated by pretty much adapting Ultimate Spider-Man, which was sort of a grittier, uh, edgier, more real take on the fabled superhero web-slinger. Okay, so in our last episode, Spider-Man 4 got cancelled. And Sony decided, we're going to just straight up reboot this series. So they did. And we were looking at, before the show, the casting of the Peter Parker for this movie. And there were some curious candidates that were considered for the role of Peter Parker in The Amazing Spider-Man. We're talking, Jamie Bell was from Adventures of Tintin, Alden Ehrenreich who would ultimately play young Han Solo in Solo. And then you had Frank Delane, who's known for playing Tom Riddle in the Harry Potter movies before he became Voldemort. Josh Hutcherson, who would go on to uh, star in a little art house independent film. I don't know if you've heard of it. They called it The Hunger Games. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Hunger Games. And also he's Future Man. He is Future Man. And then there's Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, hey, that guy's been in the news for something Spider-Man related recently. Yep. And we were speculating in the pre-show meeting about how that's going to work. But we'll, yeah. we won't say anything about that because we're not here to talk about that. But there was one other person that I was a little curious as in the potential shortlist. And that would be... Oh, yeah, Anton Yelchin, who was... The late Anton Yelchin. The late Anton Yelchin, who I believe would have just been wrapping up Star Trek Into Darkness. Well, the first Star Trek reboot movie would have happened in 09, so... Yeah, so... Into Darkness was until 13. 
Okay. So he basically it was either this or into darkness. I would have rather have taken this over Star Trek into darkness, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure anything is better than Star Trek into darkness, but that's neither here nor there. Well, but there they, you go. There you go. So they whittle it down to Jamie Bell, Alden Ehrenreich, Anthony Elchin, Logan Lerman. He was in he... Percy Jackson. Yep. Okay. And yeah, around this time he would be doing a lesser known independent movie, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, that's right. With Emma Watson. And then you had Michael Angarano. Okay. Who is actually, if you remember, the kid from Sky High. And he was perhaps the New Yorkiest person considered for the cast. Oh, wow. Oh, by the way, you know one person who was interested in being in The Amazing Spider-Man? Who would that be? Donald Glover. Because remember, there was the whole thing on the internet about is the world ready for a black Spider-Man. And then... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Because of this, it eventually happened. It's like, spoiler alert, the world is ready for a black Spider-Man. But it won't be for for another, like, two, three years in the comics. And anyway, they whittled it down to uh, the guy they ultimately got, Andrew Garfield, who would have been coming off, I believe, two favorite projects of ours, the two-parter of Doctor Who, Daleks in Manhattan, and Evolution of the Daleks. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's one of the worst fake American accents ever. Yeah. This was before we all heard David Tennant's American accent, and things took a drastic turn. NG, no good! And the second project would be The Social Network with Michael Sarah. No, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse, I get those two confused all the time. Everyone gets True Jesse. story! True story. The Social Network was the one with the guy who played Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman. There you go. That's good to remember. Is there a person on Earth who does not get those two confused? No. That's like the Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton debate of our time. (laughs) But ultimately, the producers did choose Andrew Garfield to be the Peter Parker in this film series. But you need a love interest, Chico. Yes, and they really wanted to do Mary J. Watson and Gwen Stacy in the same film, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that'll work. No, it would not work. It does not work at all. We'll find out in the next movie why that didn't work. So, ultimately, they decided to scrap Mary Jane and just go with Gwen Stacy, which... Unless you do a deep dive into the comics, doesn't really make any sense. So the candidates to play Gwen Stacy were whittled down to Lily Collins, Ophelia Lovabond, Imogene Poots, Teresa Palmer, Emma Roberts, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Hey, a local girl! That would have been a good choice, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Would have been coming off Scott Pilgrim. Yep. Mia Wasikowska and Diana Agron. Oh, man. Georgina Haig and Dominique McGilligott. Now, I only know who half of these people is, but ultimately, they whittled it down 
on October 2010 to... Perhaps the only person to ever have a career out of In Search of the Partridge Family. That's going to be covered on our Mothership podcast soon. Oh, it will be. Yes. Uh, that, of course, being Emma Stone. Oh, Emma Stone. She would have been coming off a couple years earlier super bad. And easy A. And to be honest, to be absolutely honest, is there anything she can't do? I can think of one thing, but I'm not going to say it. Wow. Anywho, so we have, and Mark Webb, who was signed on to direct, noticed that the chemistry between Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield, that just nailed the choice right there. Oh, it did. Oh, yeah. Turns out it nailed something else, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, and by the way, Mark Webb, the director of this movie, he would have been like coming off a very fantastic indie hit, 500 Days of Summer with JGL and Zoe Deschanel. Another really good pairing, if you ask me. Oh, yes. You can't go wrong with JGL and Zoe Deschanel. You can't go wrong with them separately. You can't go wrong with them together. Oh, no. All right. Oh, and also... Who do we have playing Uncle Ben and Aunt May in this movie? Okay, I looked at the two of them together, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way. No. No, but there you go. We have, as Uncle Ben, Martin Sheen, and as Aunt May, Sally Field. They got two legends to play these roles. Yeah, they got President Bartlett and... Forrest Gump's mom. Forrest Gump's mom. How could you possibly go wrong? And also, we have Captain Stacy in this movie, played by Dennis Leary. But isn't Dennis Leary more of a fireman than a policeman? Yeah, whatever. Fireman, police officer, whatever. It's the same thing. True. And, okay, so you have all of the essentials. But you're missing the villain. Oh, yes, the villain. And in this particular movie, they chose to dive into the story of Kurt Connors. He was a complicated character. Him and Peter Parker got along just fine. Until he decides to become the Lizard. And that was embodied by Reese Ipins, who I believe would just be coming off of Anonymous, where he played the Earl of Oxford. Okay. He's known for all these high British cinema roles. He recurred as Mycroft Holmes on Elementary, for crying out loud. That's right, he played Sherlock's brother in Elementary. We have another Harry Potter connection. He played Xenophilius Lovegood, who is, I believe, Luna's father. Okay, which movie would that be in the Harry Potter franchise? That would be uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1. So that's another thing he's coming off of. Okay, yeah, because Deathly Hallows Part 1 would have been, what, 2010? 2010, yes. Yeah, Part 2 would have been 2011. Okay. There is one more character, and he sort of figures into the plot a great deal. However, he only appears, what, five, maybe ten minutes into the beginning? Peter Parker's father oh yeah i forgot yeah because this series refers 
this series sort of revolves around his parents. Yep. Campbell Scott plays his father. We don't hear much about the parents of Peter Parker. We don't really know what their situation is. Yeah, we've never known what their deal was, right? No. All we know is that they were dead in the comics. That's all we know about them. It's like that they were dead in the comics and that Peter was put in the trust of Uncle Ben and Aunt May because they were dead in the comics. And so this movie pretty much, I want to say, it dives more into the ultimate universe where Richard Parker has a bit of a character. And the character, and will, and this will actually play out in the beginning. Oh yeah, Peter's playing hide-and-seek at the beginning. So the Taz and Peter Parker has something in common with Pope Van Dyne. He's the wasp. Yeah. We begin in Richard Parker's study. And something is stolen. Something apparently very important. Something so important... That Richard is fighting tooth and nail. No, seriously. He is really, really trying to keep this a secret. But from who? And about what? And why does this necessitate that Richard and Mary bequeath their only son to his brother Ben and his wife May? Well, you got me. This will be explored in the sequel, I'm guessing. Yeah. So... And now fast forward to, you know what, let's say about 10 years later, and here we are at the Midtown High School for the Sciences, and stop me if you've heard this one, Flash Thompson is being a jerk. What? Flash Thompson is being a jerk. Oh, and what? by the That's way. so unlike Flash Thompson. And by, the, and by the way, you don't look like Joe Manganello to me. <laughs> God, you know Joe Manganiello in the Brady Spider-Man. He looked old even then in 2002, like way yep. too old for Flash. Yep. At least they got someone closer to the appropriate age in this one. True. Um, Peter's holding his skateboard and using it. Yeah. And, you know, Peter, here he is, being a typical teenager. Although, Tasm Peter is a little less shy and gawky, and a little more... What the f*** are you looking at? But he's still ever the uh, photographer. Oh, yeah. He has a vintage but, camera. Oh, yeah. But he hasn't found a way to uh, parlay that skill into monetary gain just yet. He's too busy, you know, trying to stay out of trouble. And, uh, by the way, failing miserably. But you can tell he's got a heart because he hates people being bullied by Flash to the point where he says, Put him down, Eugene. Eugene's Flash is real. And so home life is a little different here as we see more acting out, I'd like to say. Know what I mean? Acting out? Yes. It's like... Peter doesn't know why he's there. He doesn't know what Uncle Ben and Aunt May are all about. He's just trying to make it through, you know? Then, all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute. He finds something in the basement. He finds, like, 
this briefcase and he says to Aunt May and Uncle Ben, Hey, Aunt May, Uncle Ben, what's in this briefcase? Plumbers don't fix appliances. Oh, yes, they, they fix pipes fix and they pump things. If they... you ask them to fix I forgot all about that thing. It was your dad's. Yeah. He asked us to keep it safe for him. You saw it in the window of the leather shop over on Ninth Avenue. He was 19. What does a 19-year-old kid need with a briefcase? And guess who sold it to him? Your mother. That's how they met. He asked you to keep keep this safe. Why? There's, there, there's nothing in here. Have you looked in here? There's nothing here. Your father was a very secretive man, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you know what that is? Some guy who worked with your dad, I guess. Oh, yeah. That belongs to your father. He asked us to keep it safe and to keep it away from you at all costs. Well, one of those ships has sailed at least. <laughs> well, he does tell the story of how, how he saw it in a window. And what would a 19-year-old do with a briefcase? Well, guess who sold it to him? You're not going to believe this, Chico. His mother sold it to Richard Parker. Can and you kid, believe that? And kids, that's how I met your mother. Where's Bob Saget when you need him? Oh, but Peter finds a picture of his dad with this scientist, and he has Uncle Ben. Hey, do you know who this guy is? And Uncle Ben's like, I don't know. Oh. And just, Aunt May's more like, yeah, you don't need to know who that guy is. We're just going to eat dinner now. Go and wash your hands and forget you ever saw that briefcase. He's not going to forget what he saw in the briefcase. Nope. And if anything, he is taking an annotated inventory of the contents of said briefcase. Hey, guess what? Peter finds his dad's glasses. And he decides, you know what? I don't need contacts. I have glasses. That's right, I have my dad's old glasses. These are just good enough. That's fine. It's like, glasses? Yeah, that's fine. And it turns out, Richard Parker was an employee of Oscorp. Oh. So he worked for Norman Osborn. By the way, you're going to find this out later in the movie. Norman Osborn is dying. What? Oh, yeah. He's dying? You know what? We won't figure that out until later. And even then, it's like, okay, Norman Osborn is dying. This matters because... Why? Yeah. That's just one problem I have with this movie, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Peter finds a hidden compartment with more of his father's notes. More notes! Including what looks to be... A ready path algorithm. Sorry, a decay rate algorithm. I can't read. So, put all that away. It's time for dinner. Or, you know, it's not time for dinner because you already had it. So, Uncle Ben comes in and he notices something's on Peter's desktop. Yeah, it's just a picture of a girl. It's just some girl. The girl's Gwen Stacy. He'll figure that out much later in the movie. But, okay. Ben is just trying to get on Peter's level right now. 
And what he's trying to say right now is that I know you and your dad have been rough, and I know we don't really talk about him, but we're going to talk about him right now. Because that picture is your father and Kurt Connors. They worked together for years. But after that night, when they dropped you off at our doorstep, they never spoke to each other again. Yeah, it's Kurt Connors totally ghosted Uncle Ben. Or maybe Richard totally ghosted everybody. Maybe it's just a giant ghost party. Who knows? Ghost party. Well, Uncle Ben will be in the ghost party soon enough, am I right? Yep. But let's talk... Oh, she's... Oh, 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 oh yeah. that picture of Gwen. That's so nice. Oh, but hold up. Hold up, Chica. I have a problem. Here's my one problem with this movie. I know there's a lot of problems with this movie, but this is my number one problem with this movie. Go. Peter Parker is searching for information about his father and Dr. Connors, and you know what he's using to search for information about his father and Dr. Connors? He is using Microsoft Bing on a Windows laptop because Microsoft paid to have all of their crap into this. I'm surprised they didn't find a way to, to work a Zune into this. <laughs> Although I think the Zune might have been discontinued at this point in 2012. And I'm just speaking to a guy who owns four Zunes for crying out loud. No, you know where the Zune is. Kurt Connors' left-hand pocket. Because <laughs> he can't keep anything in his right-hand pocket, you see. <laughs> But enough oh. humor, because this is basically the Clip Notes version of the backstory. Richard and Mary Parker are dead. Kurt Cotters authored a treatise on a world without weakness. Oh, and Oscorp is also looking for interns. Oh, good. This coffee ain't gonna get itself, son. So what does Peter do? He decides to impersonate Ricardo Guevara. Even though he does not look like a Ricardo Guevara at all. I don't know. I think Andrew Garfield could pass for a Ricardo Guevara. Oh, he could. But I mean, he, pa- no. he passed for the uh, not Zuckerberg person of Facebook. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he did. But uh, we get a voiceover about Norman Osborn. And notice how we don't see his face. Nope. All we know is he wears glasses. Willem Dafoe does not wear glasses. But you know who does? For some reason, Chris Cooper. And here's Gwen, who is head intern, leading all of the interns. And Peter's just like, okay, let me just step out of this. I do not want a part of this. I do not want to get into any trouble today. But Rodrigo Guevara, yeah, he's in trouble. Yeah. See you later, Rodrigo. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares. 840, here's the lizard man. True story. Because we meet Kurt Connors. Or actually, Gwen introduces us to Kurt Connors. And he's talking about how he longs to fix himself and wants to create a world without weakness. Don't those weaknesses give us both strength and purpose? And then all of a sudden, Peter speaks to Dr. Connors and Gwen's like, Hey, wait a minute. This guy's not on the list. This guy's not on the list. It's that guy I know from school. Why is he here? Nobody really knows and nobody really understands. But it's like, hey, he's brilliant. 
Whatever. And Gwen's like, he's one of Midtown Science's best and brightest. Well, she would know. Meanwhile, uh, Dr. Connors' Zune is ringing. Oh, wait. No, it's his Sony Xperia phone that's ringing. That's right. Everybody has a Sony Xperia phone because those were big in 2012. As we all know, Sony Xperia phones were the rage back then. Oh, yeah. We just have to ignore the fact the iPhone exists. Can do. So, Gwen pretty much has Peter Parker figured out. It's like, I had no idea you worked here. So why are you here? Well, I just snuck in because I love science. Well, that's true. He does love science. Yeah. But Gwen's like, look, I don't want to get in trouble. Please stay in the group. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, totally. And then he bumps into this guy. Uh, By the way, total accident there. But it's the same double zero figure he saw in Richard Parker's notes. Oh. By the way, that's an investor into Oscorp. He is going to come into play later. And on a hidden doorway in Oscorp, the same symbols with the sign Biocable Development Unit. And I'll tell you right now, this is where they make biocables. You know how they make the biocables? How do they make the biocables, Chico? They make biocables from the silk generated by genetically engineered spiders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Let's get into it here. Okay, so there's a room with these spiders. A room with all these spiders. They're all creating silk, and the silk is being turned into a biocable. Peter does something stupid, and next thing you know, he has a bunch of genetically engineered spiders all over him. He manages to get all but one off of them. But while that's going on, one of the investors meets with Kurt Cotters and gives him some very not good news. Oh yeah, that's Norman Osborn's dying. Norman Osborn's dying, and perhaps the only thing that can save him, the decay rate algorithm. So he's like, okay, you better hurry up, or else we're both going to lose our heads. What, a dead guy can't kill us? Anyway, Peter's back from snooping, and Gwen happens to run into him. And she's like, okay, get out of here. Give me your badge, get out of here. Meanwhile, Peter didn't swat off all of the spiders he ran into. And stop me if you've heard this one. That genetically engineered spider bites him in the back of the neck. Ooh. Well, so, it bite, so, bites him on the neck. The last film series, it was on the hand, right? Uh, historically, it's always been on the hand. Okay. And while Pete's sleeping on the subway car, as one does in New York City, one of the passengers likes to have a little fun at his expense. He doesn't know it, but he is developing incredible powers. One of them, the power to stick to things. That's right. He jumps off. He jumps the off seat. the uh, subway seat and onto the roof. And, and oh, he accidentally rips a woman's shirt off. Comedy. Fun fact: You know who that woman is? I think I know who that is. Amber Stevens West. 
Oh, that's right. It's Shadow Stevens' daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and another one of uh, Peter's newfound gifts. Amazing reflexes. Oh, yeah. That's a hell of a kick. Hell of a kick. Oh, his board gets destroyed. Peter's all like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm really, really sorry. It's time to go home anyway. Uncle Ben and Aunt May are worried sick, and Peter manages to save Aunt May from a fly. A fly. I wish I was kidding, I'm not. He apologizes and proceeds to eat his uncle and aunt out of house and home. I don't get that either, but apparently somebody knows something I don't. Something's very wrong. Nobody likes your meatloaf. Even though he's been eating it for 37 years. Uncle Ben never told Aunt May it stunk. He was being a gentleman. Because Ben Parker's a real one. Meanwhile, Peter is still uh, itching from his earlier spider bite, and something is hanging from it. And it turns out to be a piece of web from the same spider. Who's dead. Who is now dead. All right, the next morning, we find out that Peter has developed super strength. Oh and my. in the most embarrassing way possible, by breaking his bathroom. Oh. Well, the same thing happened in the 2017 Power Rangers movie. Mm, true. Oh, yeah, and another thing we see develop is sort of his spider sense. Yeah. He starts becoming hyper-aware of, well, everything. To the point where he's, while he's searching for stuff on the on the computer, his fingers are stuck with the keys. Hey, what you do with your computer is your business, Pete. Now he's found Dr. Connors, and he goes to his house. After reading all of his material. And while Dr. Connors is trying to shoo him away, Peter just basically says, I'm Richard Parker's son. Oh, okay. Maybe you should come inside. And they get to talk about cross-species genetics, which has many sort of practical uses and many possibilities, one of them being the spiders at Oscorp. But before they could really put it to good use, he disappeared. And Kurt didn't bother to follow up on him. What's that all about? He's supposed to be like his good buddy. He doesn't even, it's like, hey, what happened to my partner? Eh, whatever. Perhaps Richard hit himself a little too well. But Peter decides to give Kurt the one thing he was looking for, the decay rate algorithm that will make this sort of cross-species genetics work for him. Yeah, because he really wants his arm back. That's really the whole sort of impetus for all of this is Kurt Connors wants his arm back. Okay, we're at the basketball court at the high Flash, school. Flash Thompson being a jerk again. Yeah, so Peter decides, I'm going to do something about it. And so he's going to challenge Flash to a game of one-on-one. After he challenges him to just grab the ball from his hands. Yeah. Just grab the ball from his hands. Come on, just grab it. Just take it. Come on, take it. No, it's not going to work too well. And then, oh my god, Peter jumps in the air. It's like something out of NBA Jam. Right down to the broken glass backboard. Where was Tim Kitzrow when you needed him? 
Boom shakalaka! So now Uncle Ben has come to the school to take Peter home. And he's like, why did you humiliate that boy? Is that the kid that hit you? And Peter's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the kid that hit me. Bet you uh, feel really good about yourself. I, then, I had to change shifts at work so I could deal with your problem. Now you're going to have to pick up Aunt May. Oh, but ho, look who's here. It's Gwen. It's like, oh, yeah, is that the girl on your computer? Yeah. yeah. Hey, he's got you on his computer. I'm his probation officer. Uncle Ben is indeed a character. It's like, we don't know much about Uncle Ben, but what we do know, he's a character. Yeah, thanks, Peter, for letting us know. So this goes on for like two minutes, and it has to be the most awkward uh, sort of conversation ever. Yeah. I got expelled from school, Gwen. What can you do? Okay. You want to meet at my house for Branzino? Sure. Oh, now Peter's testing out his abilities and stuff. Where do you test your powers? Oh, at an abandoned warehouse. Yep. And among his powers are super strength, super agility, and... um... Gliding from, like, chain to chain, conveniently, I guess. Like I said... He's very aware of where he is. After school, Peter meets with Dr. Cotters at Oscorp. All of this checks out because we know that Peter and Dr. Cotters are rather close. So now we, we see the Ganali device. This, hey, this is what we call a Chekhov's gun moment. You know what a Chekhov's gun moment is? No, I don't know what a Chekhov's gun moment is. Tell me, Chico. A Chekhov's gun. In the first act in one of Chekhov's plays, there is a uh, there is a framed pistol on the wall. Chekhov's gun states that at some point that gun is going to be fired. Okay. So I'm guessing at some point the Ganali device is going to be fired. Yes. Yeah, because you can like fire it over the entire town and it could like cure or spread a disease. Or turn everybody into lizard people. Speaking of lizards, here we have a lizard growing a tail. And here we have a mouse with three arms. Now what does one thing have to do with the other? Under normal circumstances, absolutely nothing. But because Peter is blowing off his Uncle Ben to play God with the lizard and the three-armed mouse... This is going to come into play. So they do like a bunch of simulations and stuff to try to figure out how to get the rat's arm back. And then, oh, they found a simulation where it's successful. Guess what Kurt Connors is about to do? Oh, no. Try it on an actual three-armed mouse. And it works. So that night, Peter comes home and guess who's waiting for him? Uncle Ben, he's like, hey, hey, Peter, you forgot something. You forgot to pick up Aunt May. Now go in and apologize. And Aunt May's like, you don't have to do this. Your aunt, my wife, had to walk 12 blocks in the middle of the night and then wait in a deserted subway station because you wanted to play God with Kurt Connors. 
Well, he didn't exactly say that part, but I mean, you know what? If this was like five years later, Aunt May could have just taken an Uber and like Uncle Ben probably would have been fine. Yeah. Look, your father believed that if you could do good things, you had a moral obligation to do good things. Not a choice. Responsibility. Get it? That's a way of saying with great power, blah, blah, blah. Without having to actually know. say it, because he doesn't say it in this movie. No, he d- never does. The closest he gets is like near the end, but we won't reveal that until like later. Yep. Meanwhile, Peter actually bites back and says, "What about my dad's responsibility to me?" Then oh, he goes to take a walk. Not before he slams the door and the glass breaks. That's two glass panels. In a single day. So Uncle Ben's trying to, oh, no, this is not going to turn out good. No, he's going out looking for Peter. And Peter's at this bodega just trying to get some milk. He's a couple cents short. He leaves without the milk. The guy behind him, he's going to rob the place and give Peter the milk just because he feels like it. All over two cents. Over two lousy cents. When has this ever happened? When is a bodega so strict? They're like, oh, no, son, you got to pay those two extra pennies. Like, here's your milk. Shut up. You didn't see anything. And the guy who runs it runs out to the street and says, hey, I've just been robbed. And Peter's like, yeah, well, you just should have given me the milk. And the robber just happens to run into Uncle Ben. His gun falls out. And Uncle Ben's like, you don't want to do this. I played the president. You don't want to be the guy who shoots the president. Guess what? The robber is now the guy who shoots the president. Oh, no. Oh, no. Joshua Bartlett has been shot. Oh, no. uh, Oh, oh, and it's bad. Oh, it's bad. Oh, yeah, he definitely did. And Aunt May is distraught, and for good reason, because, well... Duh. Duh. I'd be distraught, too, if my wife died at the hands of a robber. And then Peter's like, hey, can I have that sketch? And the cop's like, oh, sure. One thing, he has a star tattooed on his left hand. Okay, so now Peter's going to be like, oh, that's it. I'm going to try to find him. But not before I try to listen to this voicemail that my Uncle Ben left me before he died. But I'm not even going to bother to listen to the whole message. But it seems like, wow, news travels fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Everybody's just giving him the once-over. Including Flash, who, well, yeah, gets lifted off the ground. But Flash is like, look, your uncle died, and I'm sorry. I get it. And Peter's like... Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and Gwen comforts Peter. Oh, because Gwen is a real one. But Peter's like, you know what? Now I'm gonna have to try to find this killer. He has no idea how. No. So he just does the one thing that you probably shouldn't do is play vigilante, and that's exactly what he does. It turns out it's not the guy he was looking for after all, and worse yet. He falls into a wrestling ring, which is sort of a callback to uh, earlier Spider-Man mythos, as is one of the posters, which shows sort of a Lucha Libre mask and not much else. 
He must have wandered onto the set of Lucha Underground. That makes sense. And all the while, the thug was like, You can't hide forever! I know what you look like! So, I need to make a mask. Yeah, not just any mask. Oh, but first, Peter's just wandering around like in street clothes with the mask. Why? Why are you wearing that? Why are you wearing a ski hat? Why? I don't know. Then it just sort of turns into this project. He has two watches, turns both of them into biocable shooters. Oh, yeah, because in this version, they're mechanical, not organic. Yeah. And he goes to test his shooters on the building after he uh, tests his um, agility. Yeah. Not too well, though. Well, theoretically, they work. He just needs to work on his aim. And meanwhile, we see Captain Stacy getting reports about, hey, we have this vigilante with a mask. A mask? Well, most of his victims are suspects with serious rap sheets. They're calling him a vigilante. And then all of a sudden, right behind Captain Stacy, oh, there's one of the criminals in webs. And behind him... Your friendly neighborhood, whoever this guy is. And so Peter's like, back in his house, is like, oh, spandex. That's what I need to wear. Spandex. Everything's well, spandex. He, it's like, everything's spandex. But he ultimately finds a laser suit. I guess you could call it. That's what they called it, right? A laser suit? And sort of silk screens a spider motif onto it. And lo... The Spider-Man was born. Oh, and he gets a call from Aunt May while he's on top of a building saying, Hey, Peter, I need some organic eggs. Okay. Sure. Not before Peter has to stop this criminal by hiding out in his car. If you're going to steal cars... Don't dress like a car thief, man. You really think I'm a cop in a skid-tight red and blue suit? Oh, and then he zips the web into his mouth... And then he just shoots his hands onto the brick wall, and then he web shoots the criminal right in the balls. Shooting webs right in the balls, Chico. Oh, yeah. It's funny. But you know what? Shut up! And then the cops come and have the nerve to try and arrest this guy. Why do they want to arrest Spider-Man? He's doing them a favor! And they try and shoot him, and, well, Spider-Man dodges bullets so and yeah he knows when it's time to go yeah he's like i'm going home later <laughs> screw this i don't need all this okay that does it screw you guys i'm going home and captain stacy's like hundreds of new york's finest versus a guy in a red and blue unitard meanwhile peter gets back home and aunt may's like hey you didn't get the eggs that i wanted forgot the eggs you didn't get the eggs, and you're getting the crap kicked out of you. What? what are you- you're getting the crap kicked out of you? Yes, he's getting the crap kicked out of him. And it's like, what is wrong with you? Are you acting out? What is this? As she mentioned, secrets have a cost. And speaking of secrets having a cost. Hey, look. The three-armed rodent has a fourth. Yay! And he's, Dr. Connors is showing it to the investor. He's like, hey, look, isn't this great? Yes, it is great. No, you're fired. 
Because it's uh, Dr. Ratha, the name of the uh, investor, played by Irfan Khan. Like we said, so we have our four armed rodents, and Dr. Cotters is ready for uh, primate test subjects. But Norman Osborne can't wait, unless he wants to be a lab rat. But Rather says, you have to start human trials now. But Connor stands firm says, I'm not going to test it on humans, not even Norman Osborne. Well, why don't you just try it at the Veterans Hospital as a blue shot? No, it doesn't go Connors well. is not going to do it. No, he's not going to do it. And he says, it's a little too late for shock and indignation. Richard Parker wore it well. On you, it's a cheap suit, as it was then. And Connors is like, that's not what I told him. And Roth is like, is it what you told his son? I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know, or you don't want to know. I'll remind you of what happened. Richard Parker said just about the same thing then that you are saying now. The clock is ticking, Dr. Connors. Either get this to human trials, or we're shutting you down. Oh, man. And Connors is like, I'm not going to do it. And Rotha is like, okay. But this formula is ours now anyway. Saints can buy that arm you've dreamed of. I'm shutting you down. Oh, and he's ordered him to take have your office clear in the morning, and your toys are going to be taken away. Oh, this isn't good for Dr. Connors. Oh, but meanwhile, like, back at the school. Hey, where are you going? Uh, I have no idea where I'm going. The last few days have just been a blur. You know, I've been swinging around the place, getting into scrapes, you know, teenage years. Well, you never answered my question. Do you like Branzino? I don't even know what Branzino is. It's a fish. Oh, I love Branzino. Yeah, come to this address at 8 o'clock tonight, because my mom's making it. It's a Portman 2016. She didn't write the port down, though. She doesn't know why, but it's a Portman 2016. Okay, Gwen. All right. Oh, no. Oh, no, Dr. Connors. What are you doing? Dr. Connors is like, you want human trials? I'll give you human trials. I'll give you human trials. So he takes the serum out of the lab. He shoots it into his own stub. Oh. Oh, Meanwhile, Peter forgets that he can actually go through front doors if he wanted to. Gwen's like... How'd you get here? Oh, fire escape. Your door van's intimidating. And she's like, wait, it's 20 stories. How did you climb 20 stories? Uh... I like your room. Books, shoes, flowers for your mom. These are bad, but uh, they're couple, beautiful. A couple right? of them are dead, but I'm not sure she's not going to mind. Oh, here's Captain Stacy. Hey, you have a boy in your room. I have no idea how he got there. But you must be Peter. You must be Peter, though. Well, it's good to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I don't like you. Dinner's ready. I hope you like your Branzino. Hey, up until two hours ago, I didn't even know what it was. Oh, Meanwhile. Dr. Connors. Oh, my God. Look what's happened to his arm. Oh, my God. He has an arm. He well, has an arm again. Well, he has something resembling an arm. Let's call it a proto-arm. It just... It literally grew out of the stub, and it kind of sort of looks like an arm, but it's very uh, gelatinous. Imagine large gloves on a medium-sized hand, and it's all covered in KY. Kurtz try to call Dr. Ratha. He is in a taxi... 
going to the airport. This can't wait. So Kurt takes another taxi. Meanwhile, his arm is starting to look strange, and he's starting to, uh, you tweaking, man? I can guarantee you, he's not tweaking. Meanwhile, Peter is still trying to learn how to eat Franzino. It's fish, dude. Think about it. Oh, hey! Gwen's brother is young Sean Spencer from the later seasons of Psych! Nice. And uh, Captain Stacy's voicing his concerns, let's just say, with Peter regarding this Spider-Man. I'll just, just say your inadequacies. Yeah, let's go with that. He voices his inadequacies, and Peter's basically doing an early version of, tell us you're Spider-Man without telling us you're Spider-Man. Yeah, he's like, look, he's trying to help him. Kansas, he's like, how would you know that? Oh, I saw a video on the internet. Oh, you saw a video on the internet, huh? Peter, you saw a video on the internet. Oh, that's supposed to make it all better, huh? Like, what do you think, Peter? Sit around eating donuts with our thumbs, playing up their asses? <sighs> well, he just wants to protect the innocent people from the bad guys. I stand for law and order. I wear a badge. This guy wears a mask. Like he has some sort of vendetta. But he's not protecting innocent people. And this escalates to the point where Gwen is like, Peter, outside, now. And it looks like they might just get into it when all of a sudden, it's basically, it's the uh, sort of the problem that we all have as men in front of a beautiful lady. She says, you can tell me anything. And he says... I wish I could tell you everything about the vigilante and the car thief and all of that stuff. And why don't I just do this? Ah, smooching. He literally catches Gwen in his web. (laughs) And his smooching. Because let's face it, if you have a chance to kiss Emma Stone on the rooftop, you would. Oh, you would take it. You would. It's like, I would kiss Emma Stone anywhere. And now she is the only person who knows that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are one and the same. I don't know if that's an ultimate thing, but it's a thing in this movie. Yeah. But Peter hears sirens in the distance, and then, oh. Oh, I'm in trouble. This turns out the sirens in the distance are heading toward, yep, lots of uh, traffic hangups, more than usual. It turns out to be... A giant lizard! A giant lizard has shown up on the Williamsburg Bridge! And everybody is running for their lives. Everyone's running for their lives. Except for Peter, who's basically taking his shirt off. And he's wearing his suit underneath. Oh. But, oh, Dr. Rafa. Oh. Doctor, yeah, Doctor Doctor Connors with like a word or two, and turns out he knocks his car off the bridge, and Spidey's there to grab it. One out of many cars, it turns out. Oh yeah, because he's throwing cars all over the place, Doctor Connors. Oh, oh look, it's C. Thomas Howell, and he has a kid in, trapped in his car. True story, C. Thomas Howell in a cameo role. Okay. And his kid is trapped in a dangling car. And by the way, Peter whips his mask off and tells him, I'm just a regular kid, just like you. Here, put this mask on. It'll make you strong. 
And all you have to do is climb. Hey, what's your name, Jack? It's Jack. Okay, okay Jack. Jack. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Now, it takes nothing for Peter to uh, just spin a web and get out of here. Oh, the car is and now because, on fire. Uh, because the car is now on fire, that's exactly what happens. So Jack puts on the mask. Climbs out of the car. Hangs onto the web. And is rescued all as well. Yeah. By the way, keep an eye on this uh, C. Thomas Howell guy. He'll come back into play later. And he asks one question. Who are you? I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, C. Thomas Howell. My name's in the title of this movie. So back at his house, Peter's basically spending the night coming to the reckoning of what he's done and what was done to him, apparently. Meanwhile, in the sewers, the lizard is sort of... uh, turning back into Dr. Connors. Unfortunately, yeah, his research gives with one hand and takes with the... Greg, this sort of metaphor is not going to work in this particular No. no. He's just, oh, he's now one arm when he's just himself, and then he's like two arms when he's the lizard. Yeah. Meanwhile... I'll show you who has inadequacies. The next day, Captain Stacy, despite everybody telling him about the lizard man, and despite everything Peter did, Captain Stacy is issuing an arrest warrant for Spider Man. Even though he saved C. Thomas Howell's kid, Captain Stacy's like, nope. Don't care. Don't care you saved C. Thomas Howell's kid. Nope. Man, Dennis Leary really has a hang-up, doesn't he? Well, he said it in that one song he did. He's an a-hole. While all that's going on, Peter and Gwen are getting to know each other on the bleachers while the football team is practicing. Now, this takes the ultimate turn in that Flash is more of a basketball player instead of a football player. Because in the proper canon, Flash is a football player. Oh, yeah, that is true. He is a football player in the uh, mm-hmm. popper cannon. So Peter's telling Gwen everything. And then, and oh, wait, it. someone threw Peter something. I think, was it a football? And he yep. throws it back and up, oh, hits the goalpost. My bad. All right. So Peter visits Dr. Cotter's at Oscorp, and he notices that one of the serum plungers has been used. And it turns out Dr. Cotter spends like, Five or ten minutes waxing poetic about the result of the equation that Peter gave him. It's not nice to snoop. I gave everyone the week off. Yeah. Shouldn't you be at school? No, I got a, I got a free track. I want, I wanted to ask you a question. How would a predator track a reptile? No, they don't. Most reptiles are at the top of their respective food chain. Kings of their domain. They gotta have vulnerabilities, right? Why the sudden interest in the cold-blooded? Just asking a question. I got, I got, I got school stuff, biology profiles to do. So, because of the cold blood, would they react to sudden changes in temperatures? Oh, you'd have to catch one first. Did you know? There's a rumor of a new species in New York, beautiful and quite large. 
What do you know about it? Have you seen it? No, it's not yet classified. But it can be aggressive. If threatened. Doc, you all right? Never been better, Peter. Never been better. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I have a new project I'm working on. I need to be alone. Don't worry, Mr. Parker. I'll be back. Wonderful things are coming. Wonderful things. He's like, oh, I've never been better, Peter. Never been better. Ah, uh, wonderful things are coming. Wonderful things. And then Peter notices, oh, no, the lab mouse. The lab mouse is a sewer rat. That's what that is. Oh. Uh. So Peter goes to Captain Stacy, and he's trying to tell him, look, I know there's something more dangerous, and I know it's Dr. Kurt Connors. Wait, Dr. Kurt Connors? You mean my daughter's mentor? He's the guy that's responsible for it? You want me to believe this, Peter? Are you serious that he's running around town dressed up like a dinosaur? No, he's transformed as a lizard, you dumbass. And, yeah, Captain Stacy is... Not having this. It's like, does this look like Godzilla versus Kong to you? By the way, I just saw Godzilla versus Kong earlier today. And by the way, I can't escape movies or TV shows where Kyle Chandler is the father of a troubled teenage daughter. I just can't. And spoiler alert, in Act 3, it becomes Bigger Jaws. Yes, it does! <laughs> Ah, stop eating our boat, Jaws. Okay, so Captain Stacy tells the security, uh, take Peter out of here. And Peter's like, no, seriously, Captain Stacy. The lizard's a danger to everybody. Please. And then he's like, okay. Yeah, just find anything you have on Dr. Connors, please. Yeah. Oh, not many people know this. Sort of in a lull related to lizards going down into the sewer. This was actually taped on the new backlot of Universal Studios. Oh, oh, that's right, because it would have been recovered from the fire. Yes, the uh, first three movies were filmed on the old backlot, and now we see the Daily Bugle with a reward for proof of the lizard. And now we have Doctor Connors's underground lair. What is Spider-Man doing sneaking in on Dr. Connors? I have no idea. I think this uh, is an excuse to show off the 3D. Oh, by the way, this movie was specifically shot in 3D. Yeah. This was the big thing at the time, 3D. Yeah, you could definitely see where 3D shots were sort of engineered. Yeah, and actually, I saw this movie in the theater in 3D, and it was awesome in 3D. And he has increased the dosage of the serum. Yeah, Dr. Connors, yes. And he's taping himself while injecting himself. Not exactly the smartest thing you could do. Meanwhile, Peter's on his web playing Puzzle to Pop. Puzzle to Pop? Seriously? Yes. Well, Android phones really, I don't think, were a thing yet in 2012. Or they were just starting to become a thing. He might not have been aware of them. And while he's playing, he noticed something going on with his web. Turns out, he's the lizard again, isn't he? 
Oh, yeah. Dr. Connors is the lizard again. Cue the dramatic fight. And while that's going on, oh, yeah, because they wanted proof of the lizard, and Peter takes a remote picture, while the lizard proceeds to beat the living crap out of him. Literally. Literally the living crap out of him. Yeah, he beats the stupid off of him. All the while... He grabs his camera. Peter Parker. Peter makes his way to Gwen's apartment, and it looks like uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Captain Stacy's suspecting something suspicious is happening. Well, you have a teenage daughter that looks like Emma Stone, wouldn't you? Yeah. That's incredibly paternalistic. And also incredibly creepy, Dennis Larry. And this is about as close as you're ever going to get to teenagers doing the superhero mambo. In a PG-13 movie. In a PG-13 movie. Remember, my dad has a gun. Yeah, but I've got a scar from taking on a giant lizard, so, you know. And I also have an equation, which I gave the giant lizard. So if you ask me, I sort of caused all this stuff. Now I gotta kind of sort of... Fix it. And this is the part where uh, Kurt Connors starts having conversations with himself. He's like, I'm going to keep injecting myself more with this serum. I'm going to inject myself again. Spider-Man's not going to get in the way of my plan. And how does he do this? He goes into the high school. Uh, Everyone in the Midtown Science High School, they're running for their lives. And then Spider-Man and the Lizard have an epic battle. And it goes into the library for some reason, and who's the librarian? Oh yeah, it's Stan Lee, everybody! Oh yeah! This might be one of my favorite Stan Lee cameos, because he's just listening to the classical music, and he's just ignoring everything around him. He doesn't even notice things going on around him. This was hilarious when I saw this originally. Oh. So everybody's getting checked out. The lizard returns to the sewers. And Peter asks Gwen to take the serum and engineer an antidote at Oscorp. It's a blue serum, file 12389. An antidote. And at the same time, he manages to find the lizard's lair where he finds all of Kurt Cotters's recordings and basically a sinister version of his treatise of a world without weakness. And when I say sinister, I mean evil. Indeed. Wouldn't yeah. you like to live in a world without weakness? I think we can live in a world without weakness, but first, I'd have to start with New York City. Hey, remember that canon thing we talked about earlier. The Ganelli device? Yeah, the Ganelli device. That's gonna come into play. Meanwhile, the police have bound Lizard and are pretty much emptying every cartridge they have into him. And, yeah, that's not gonna work. Here, have some deadly neurotoxin. And so, Gwen makes her way to Oscorp Tower, and the Lizard, also making his way to Oscorp Tower, and gassing everybody in sight 
And Peter's trying to explain to Gwen on the phone, look, the lizard, he's going to infect the whole city. You got to get out of the building right now. And he's like casually on the phone. Where people are listening like, what? Is that Spider-Man on the phone? Mother Hubbard, are you serious? And so, in order to buy as much time as possible, Gwen evacuates Oscorp Tower. While Spidey... Is cornered by the police. Yeah. And they unmask him and they reveal, oh, shocker. Oh, it's Peter Parker. Parker. And he explains to Captain Stacy, look, the lizard, he's heading to Oscorp. Gwen is there. We don't have much time. Let me go. So, he lets him go. Hold your fire! Oh, no. Somebody does not hold his fire. Oh, what a shocker. You had one job. Do not shoot. You shot him. Jeez. You're a real a-hole, you know that? Okay, so the wizard's in the building. Gwen's trying to hide. Oh, look. Fire. Fire. It's like something out of alien isolation or something. And Spidey's still trying to work injured, but the news is reporting that the mayor is declaring New York a disaster area and orders everybody evacuated. And they fear that Spider-Man will not make it to Oscorp Tower in time. Guess who's watching? Jack's dead. And guess who has an idea? Jack's dead. Mm-hmm. He's got to get every crane from here to 6th Avenue in perfect alignment for Spider-Man to just cut through. Oh, wow. He figured out. Oh, Spider-Man, he's got to walk there and fast. So he jumps and flings from, like, crane to crane. Yeah, he misses the first one, by the way. But guess who's there to help him? Jack's it's dad. Jack's dad again. Oh, thank you, C. Thomas Howell. You're the real MVP. You're the real MVP of this movie, C. Thomas Howell. Okay, so Peter gets to the Oscorp building. And so does Captain Stacy, who says, get in the car. I will handle this. Uh, Gwen has the antidote in her hand. And her dad's like, get in the car, I'll handle it. Oh, the famous last words, Captain Stacy. So he takes the antidote and tries to get up to the top of Oscorp Tower, where Spidey and the Lizard are having it out. Oh yeah, big battle here. uh, By the way, poor Peter Parker. No mother. No father. No uncle. How do you know about my uncle? And while the uh, sort of Ganelli device is cooking, here comes Captain Stacy with the shotgun. I got a shotgun. Blows the uh, cooling device, and Spider-Man's using it to basically cool him down. All the while, he has to find a way to stop the device from being triggered. So he does. By the way, to uh, stop the device from being triggered. Or it is triggered, but not before uh, Spider-Man engages the antidote. And by the way, did we mention that the lizard's arms were blown off? Oh yeah, his arms that were was blown important. off. But it they was... also grew back, so... Yeah, they were blown off, but they grew back. Yes. But not in this particular case, when the uh, antidote begins to take hold. And meanwhile, the captain, laying dying, gives some final words of wisdom to Peter. And yes, they are final words. The captain, he dies. 
you need to get out of here. You're going to make enemies. But whatever you do, I need you to promise me one thing. Leave Gwen out of it. Which is really not a bad thing to make somebody swear to. I mean, a superhero gets his power from his secret identity. And if any of his enemies knew of his civilian identity, they could use that information to put his loved ones in danger. So Kurt Connors is arrested by the police. Peter Parker makes his way home. He's beaten up, as always. He's beaten up, but at least he has the eggs this time. Aunt May's like, oh, okay, at least you brought me the eggs. I don't care that you got the crap beat out of you. Meanwhile, it's the funeral of Captain Stacy, and Gwen notices, oh, Peter's not here. Where's Peter? So she goes to his house, and she's like, oh, my dad died. Where were you, Peter? Everybody was there except you. Where were you? Even Flash showed up, Peter. Where were you? And then Peter's basically remembering the promise he made to Captain Stacy and says, I can't see you anymore. Oh. And she's like, oh, he made you promise, didn't he? Did he? To stay away so I'd be safe. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's basically how it went down. And Aunt May always says, oh, that Gwen Stacy. What a pretty girl. And Peter's like, oh, yeah. That's what Uncle Ben said. So, at this late juncture, Peter finally gets it. He finally gets it. And he finally listens to the voicemail in full that Uncle Ben sent him. And this is the voicemail. Peter, I know things have been difficult lately, and I'm sorry about that. I think I know what you're feeling. Ever since you were a little boy, you've been living with so many unresolved things. Well, take it from an old man as he looks at a picture of a young Martin Sheen, those things send us down a road. They make us who we are. And if anyone's destined for greatness, it's you, son. You owe the world your gifts. You just have to figure out how to use them and know that wherever they take you will always be here. So come on home, Peter. You're my hero, and I love you. Aw. As he sees a spray-painted Spider-Man symbol. And Peter... Once again, retreats to being a recluse, but does make his way to English class and kind of makes a coy reference about promises you can't keep being the best kind of promises. Mr. Parker, tardy again. Well, at least we can always count on you. Sorry, Miss Ritter, won't happen again, I promise. Don't make promises you can't keep, Mr. Parker. kind <laughs> oh no yeah no peter why and then it ends with a giant sort of swinging sequence that ends with peter shooting his web almost 3d like in 3d in 3d yes toward the audience and this was awesome to see in the theater this was awesome it was like oh He's shooting his web right at me. Like I said, this film got 3D right. Yep. But there is one more scene. Oh, that's right. There is one more scene. We have a mid credit scene. Yep. It's, uh, it's Connors in prison, approached by 
a sinister-sounding man, asking, did you tell the boy the truth about his father? No. And he says, no. That's very good. So we'll let him be for now. And Connors is like, you should leave the boy alone. Now, we don't know who this person is. And I don't think we will ever know who this person is. No. And that's one of the problems I had with this movie, as good as it ends up being, and as good and as gritty and as real as it ever is. One of the problems is, and I told Greg as much before the show, this was a sweat of a movie. You know what a sweat is, right? This was a long movie to discuss. Yeah, this we was... thought Spider-Man Three was long. This took forever to finish. It's like this took forever to finish, and it crammed so much stuff into those two hours and sixteen minutes, and they still didn't hammer out all of the details. No. Like I said, this was a not only time-wise, this was a sweat. And when I say sweat, I mean short for sweaty tryhard. Dear God. Thank God we don't have to cover Amazing Spider-Man 2 until August. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I may have to do some stretches beforehand. May have to take a lot of drinks before that movie. Yeah, I may have to schedule it on a weekend that I actually have off. But let's talk about media here, because what is a big budget movie like The Amazing Spider-Man without the media tie-ins, right? Okay, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, this movie was released on Blu-ray, DVD, and Blu-ray 3D. And I have right here in my hand the Amazing Spider-Man Blu-ray 3D set, as I'm showing Chico here in the Zoom chat. Look at that. Yep, it comes with the 3D motion card in the front. Look at that. It's And it comes, comes with the DVD, the Blu-ray, and, and the, the Blu- Blu-ray 3D. That's the 3-disc pack. It's a four disc. I was about to say, no, it's a four disc because the fourth disc has bonus features. Fourth disc has exclusive bonus features. And let me read it right here. Now, because this movie was specifically shot in 3D, the Blu-ray 3D actually has some extras, which is an interactive 3D film school with director Mark Webb and a 3D progression reel. And if you have a PlayStation VR for PS4, I would highly recommend... Because the PSVR actually plays Blu-ray 3Ds. I would recommend getting the PSVR just for this movie. Because it is amazing to watch in 3D. And I've watched it in the 3D headset. And the special effects in 3D are freaking amazing. So that is what you should definitely get it just for this movie. And I'm sure you can probably get the 3D Blu-ray like cheap. Oh, yeah. On the secondary market. So, hi, it's Greg in post. I just wanted to let you know I did a quick check of Amazon to check the Blu ray 3D version on the website. And it turns out that you can actually buy The Amazing Spider Man on Blu ray 3D brand new for $8.99 on Amazon Prime. And if you want to get a used copy, it is available as cheap as $2.11. As of the time I'm recording this. Now, let's get back to the rest of the episode from past Greg and past Chico. So, on the Blu-ray, you have some exclusives. Rite of Passage, The Amazing Spider-Man Reborn, over 90 minutes of in-depth making of featurettes. Pre-visualization sequences and progression reels. And you also... Oh, yeah. 
Remember when second screen was a thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so they had an amazing Spider-Man second screen app for iOS and Android that you could use to sync up with the Blu-ray. But here's the thing. Obviously, on iOS, it will work with the iPad, but on Android, and I've actually tried this on my Google Nexus 7 back in the day. It didn't work. You know what Android tablets this works with, Chico? Do you care to guess? Uh, Sony Android tablets? Yes, Chico. And specifically, the Sony Tablet X or the Sony Xperia Tablet S. Yep. Jeez, Sony. Also, you have deleted scenes, audio commentary with Mark Webb, Avi Red, and Mike Tolmick, stunt rehearsals, and the Oscorp Archives Production Art Gallery. Also, I should note, there were Blu-ray exclusive discs, mm-hmm. depending on retailers. Because on Walmart, if you bought it there, you got an exclusive bonus DVD called Enter the Lizard. And if you bought it at Target, you got an exclusive Blu-ray bonus disc called A Hero Will Rise. And I actually was able to acquire both discs. And they're actually inside my Blu-ray set. I have a custom six-disc edition of this movie. So you are golden. I'm golden. Yes. There is one more Blu-ray of Spider-Man that we haven't covered yet. Oh, that's the Walmart exclusive that has the bonus disc with the Spider-Man mask in the case. Yeah. It has, what was it? The Enter the Lizard Bonus disc, uh, yes. Bonus disc. And then you have the mask. That looks awesome. That is incredible. I want it hanging on my wall. And I think I can find a way to get the mask just by itself with no discs. Just have that sitting as like a collector's piece on my shelf. Just so you can ruminate over it. Oh, I could ruminate over it. Could you imagine me? having that Spider-Man mask next to the picture of Simon McQuirkendale holding the Falcon. That would just be a wall of epic epicness. It would. Could you imagine Simon McQuirkendale on the Falcon? And right next to it, there's the mask. And the only thing better would be a sketch of the McLean Stevenson statue. Oh, don't get me started. Unfortunately, that bonus package is out of stock and sits out of print and It would go for a pretty penny on the secondary market, so best of luck to you. Yeah. But also, there was some video game tie-ins also. Yes, there was. The uh, Amazing Spider-Man video game was developed by Beanox and announced at New York Comic Con 2011. It was available June of 2012 for the Xbox 360, PS3, personal computer, Wii, DS, and 3DS, and ultimately got a PS Vita release because, sure, why not? And, and, the develop- and it got a Wii U release, and it actually has all the DLC in it. Yeah, and the development team were behind the previous two games, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions and Spider-Man Edge of Time, and they wanted to take, since the movie was going to take a different approach, they wanted to take the game series into a different approach. So they sort of tweaked the uh, Batman Arkham series engines, incorporated some of that. I don't think Rocksteady Studios knew about it, but there you go. And they crammed a lot into this game. I mean, you could play the game and pretty much have fill in the blanks that the movie left. 
But uh, one of the things I like about the game, and you mentioned DLC, they had 10 suits in this game. Oh. Ten of, we have the suit you start out with, obviously. You have the Scarlet Spider suit. Oh. The black suit from the 2007 film. And the color inverted Future Foundation suit. The Negative Zone suit. Ooh. The Big Time suit. Oh. The Cross Species suit. And the black suit version of the 2012 movie suit. Oh, wow. You only get that if you do 100% completion. Oh. Who's going to get to 100%, Chico? You have to be insane to complete that game at 100%. Uh, but there was one more thing. If you downloaded the Rhino Challenge DLC, you have the Sam Raimi suit. Oh, nice. And, and if you download the Lizard Rampage DLC, you get the Vigilante suit from the film. Well, if you have the Wii U version, you get all the DLC for free. Oh, and by the way, one other thing I want to mention, the... Blu-ray contains a special recipe, and I'm going to show it right here for Chico to see. A Skippy Spidery Cookie recipe inside. Ah, uh, the benefits of the Blu-ray special. Yeah, so you get this Andrew insert. Ray is salivating right now. Oh, you get a insert, and it tells your recipe on how to make Spider-Man cookies with Skippy peanut butter and pretzel sticks. To make spidery cookies. Delicious. Mmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. By the way, don't know if I mentioned this, but the video game takes place after the film. Takes place after the film. Yeah, and it features Rhino, Felicia Hardy, and Smythe, whoever the Smythe character is. I'm trying to figure out who Smythe is. Alistair Smythe. The new director of Oscorp, who confirms the rumors and tours the experiments of Oscorp. Okay, there you go. So one thing I want to note about this movie is this film actually has a posthumous credit for producer Laura Ziskin, who did the production on the Raimi trilogy. She was a producer on this movie, but unfortunately, she passed away of cancer before this movie was released. So, by the way, this was also one of the last films scored what, by James Warner. Because yeah. I think Magnificent Seven, I think, is the final movie he scored. But yeah, I think he died like a year or two later. But the score is actually not bad. I mean... It is James Horner. I mean, you can't go wrong with James Horner. No, you can't. And I'll tell you something. He just, he sort of kind of took from the Raimi music in much a way that Batman the Animated Series took from the Danny Elfman music, but didn't necessarily use it. But there you go. One other thing I want to mention. Can you believe Kevin Feige was an executive producer on this movie, too? Yeah, Yeah. I can totally believe that. Oh, yeah, because one thing we didn't mention is this film was being released the same year as a little movie called The Avengers from Marvel Studios. And at this point, between the releases of Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing Spider-Man, Marvel was like, you know what? Let's make our own movies. Let's do all of our movies in-house with the characters we still have the rights to. And let's make an Avengers movie with Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and the Hulk. And let's do that. And they took a gamble on this strategy, culminating in the Avengers in 2012. 
And lo and behold, it became the biggest cinematic event in 2012. Yeah. And this movie was like... So, yeah, pretty good. But, but it's not the, the Avengers. Avengers but the Avengers, man. This was released, if you can believe it, the same year as The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, 2012 was a really good year for superhero films. It was. It was. Well, alright. So that's The Amazing Spider-Man. Do we have any final thoughts about this movie, Chico? Well, The Amazing Spider-Man, I was like, I watched the movie before we did this, and there was a bunch of stuff left unresolved. I read that there were a lot of deleted scenes that were cut for time, that some of them were actually incorporated into the storyline of Amazing Spider-Man 2, and that this was actually supposed to be the first of a new reboot trilogy, but, uh... Yeah, it didn't go over too well, as we'll see in the next episode. Yeah. I remember watching this in the theater with my parents. And I remember... Now, I know my dad is nuts, okay? A little bit. A little bit. But I remember my dad saying, after we saw the movie, Yeah, this movie is kind of pointless, considering we've already seen this before. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was good, but... Let's be honest. Was this movie necessary? Not really. No, no. But hey, we got a pretty decent looking suit out of it, so. We did. And we got to watch Emma Stone for two hours. Which is always good. Yeah. All right. So that does it for The Amazing Spider-Man. And we'll be back here after I'm done with my duties. We're going to take July off because I have some matters I got to attend to. Got to take a little hiatus. Yeah. But we'll be back in August and we're going to truck on through the second and final part of this. Uh, what would you call this? What do you call a series with two movies? A, uh, a, two, a, a movie and its sequel. That's what he, A movie the, and a sequel. Yeah. It's not a two-parter. It's a movie and a sequel. We'll cover The Amazing Spider-Man 2, the story, and the one thing that finally killed any chance of there being The Amazing Spider-Man 3. And it wasn't the fact that this movie really went nowhere, or the story really went nowhere. But we will talk about that. Again, this is basically what happens... When Hollywood is allowed to write the script, or reality is allowed to write the script. And we will talk about this next time. So please join Greg and myself, Chico, next August, you said August? August, yes. Okay, please join Greg and myself in August when we continue our deep dive into the Spidey Movieverse.